Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's time for the Double J's podcast, and we are back once again. It's been about a month since we've seen everybody. We ended about like December 18th, I think was 17th was our last show, and we're back here on January 22nd in the new year. It's 2020. I am once again joined by my lovely co-host Jacob Ibarra Garcia. Yeah, best friends for life, bro. And um, you know, it's been a crazy month. You know, we've been on vacation. I hope everybody had a nice Christmas, New Year. We've had a great time off last semester for us both. So this is going to be very, it's going to be a very fun semester, I believe, because it's our last one. Yeah, so we're. Oh yeah. Speaking of speaking of sports, a lot has happened over one month. It's crazy to think about. And uh, we're going to talk about the obvious stuff, you know, a little Astros, a little Mets, uh, some, football. some football, the Super Bowl coming up um, in a couple weeks, and uh, most recently UFC 246 with the return of the notorious Conor McGregor against Cowboys Cerrone, and um, a little St. John's as well. We're going to start off a little small, and then we're going to rise to the big stuff, and we have so much to talk about today. I'm, I'm, we're probably, we're, we're probably going to go an hour and a half. It's going to be, it's going to be a good show today. We're going to kick things off with uh, St. John's because that's where we're coming out of, WSJU, 4th floor, Marillac. So, St. John's basketball, after a very nice start, got into conference play over the break. And, um, you know, they, they pulled off a nice win against um, West Virginia. I was actually at that game. Mike Anderson's first, um, first Big East win, first Garden win. And it was a great game down to the end, to the wire. West Virginia is now ranked, which is pretty cool. But then we went on a little bit of a, a hiccup. Well, also around New Year's Day, was it before, I think it was before New Year's Day. Picked up no, no, way before New Year's. Actually, it was probably New Year's Eve. No, no, not New Year's Eve, but um, even before, right before Christmas, they picked up a nice win against uh, Arizona State. They did. You're right. They did. I they remember, picked. I remember watching that with my parents in, in Vegas, and they played really good basketball that, that night. Yep, Arizona State. You know, obviously we lost to them uh, last year in the first four. I think it's called. Then yeah, the. the first yeah, for the last seed. Nice good old victory to end against another good team to end 2019. St. John's ended pretty strong 2019. We start to 2020. Yeah, not so much. We pulled off, you know, we pulled off a big win against number 16, 17 at the time, Arizona. That was the big win. Arizona, not Arizona State. You know, we played a very competitive game against Butler, but we lost by one, you know. And by competitive, I mean we just stayed in it. We weren't shooting well at all. Got blown out by Xavier on January 5th. Got blown out again by Georgetown and uh, DePaul as well. We've been we've been not we haven't been shooting the ball well with Mustafa Heron and LJ Figueroa, the leaders of the team. We have not been shooting the ball well, especially. And then just you know the last couple games against Seton Hall and Marquette, we've just dropped the ball. Seton Hall, we should have won. We were leading probably the entire game. And then Marcus Powell, you know, 29 points, just comes in and just starts taking over, which you know, I don't think anyone expected at the time, considering he started two for nine from the field. And he just goes off in the second half. Yeah, he's, they, they, they made it very clear that he's, that he's up for uh, NCAA Player of the Year. Yes, sir, indeed. And uh, right now, the Johnnies are one in five, one in six, I believe, one in six in, six in conference play. They are twelve and eight overall. Mike Anderson's, you know, uh, m- 
consecutive uh, seasons of non-losing seasons, winning seasons, I should say, is a little bit in jeopardy. They're 12-8 and eight right now, and if they keep playing the way that they're playing, they, uh, you know, they're not going to end the season. Well, I, everyone was saying that all all the Big East teams were going to be a contention for the tournament. It was supposed to be a big thing. Now St. John's is slipping a little bit as everybody else is taking off. Yeah, we're not. And I think like three or four Big East teams are ranked. I know Villanova's ranked. Yeah, we need to pull off a couple wins if we're going to do this. A couple more wins. And uh, recent news over the break, uh, after 24 years, Coach Ed Blankmeyer for the St. John's baseball team has decided to uh, take his efforts to Brooklyn. He's signed a contract with the Brooklyn Cyclones after 24 years. Major, major uh, change for us. You know, he brought he brought us to, he was many times, I think he was like eight-time Coach of the Year for uh, for the Johnnies. Let me just pull this up real quick. You know, took us to many, many tournaments. I think we won five Big East titles with un, under his uh, leadership. And uh, he will be greatly missed as we, you know, head into this upcoming season for the first time since 1996 without the coach. He was a six-time re Big East regular season champion, 2005, 7, 8, 12, 15, and 18. He was a five-time Big East tournament champion. 10 NCAA regional appearances, one NCAA super regional appearance, and he's a four-time ABCA Northeast Region Coach of the Year and an eight-time Big East Coach of the Year. So the Brooklyn Cyclones, the Mets affiliate, single-A affiliate, or high-A, I don't know which one it is nowadays, is getting a very good coach, and while St. John's, we're going to have to step up our game considering we're losing a major, major influence for the baseball team uh, for this upcoming season. And uh, so that's... That's something to look forward to for the Johnnies. We're gonna move ahead now. We're gonna get it. You wanna you wanna start UFC? Little UFC? Yeah. So January eighteenth, because the next biggest headline is probably gonna be Zion Williamson debuting tonight. Tonight he debuts tonight for the Pelicans. He's been caught. He's been caught sleeping many a couple times already on the bench. Yeah. We'll get into that a little bit later. Okay, so UFC 246 marked the return of the notorious Conor McGregor. Obviously, McGregor, you know, he took the sport into a very high mainstream era. You know, back in becoming the first double champ, double double champ at the time. The champ, champ, yes, the first the first UFC champion to hold two titles simultaneously, knocking out out uh, 145 King Jose Aldo in 13 seconds. They destroyed Eddie Alvarez in two rounds. And First ever UFC show in New York. Yep, when it be, just became legalized. And, the modern, and, the and, rules and he became only the second or the third person, I believe, to hold to hold championships in two separate weight divisions. Yeah, but he came. Okay, got first you. No, they only did it like at different they, times. They changed, they changed weight classes different times. Right. So going into the fight, so, you know. Well, Yep. Took a the whole buses incident at two two three. You know, punching old guys in the face. Yeah, 
very different over there. Yep. And then I. Yeah, he. So Dana White, um, in the post press conference, I think it was either post or just in a separate interview, he stated that him and Connor had been talking, and leading up to the Khabib fight, he was in like a darker place. Yeah, he was. He was, very angry. he was angry. He was drinking. He, I think you know he was getting into fights, and. Yeah, his personal life was a lot crazier. And, like, looking back, if you look at, like, what was going on, like, those, like, lead-ups to the t- lead-ups to the fight, like, the lead-up the lead press conferences were very dark, you know, very toxic, bringing, like, religion into it, bringing family into it. And, like, you know, that's, like, one line that, like, you know, everybody knows you shouldn't really cross. It's not, like, unheard of, but, like, it's something that you shouldn't really do. And then there was the whole chaos at, right as soon as the show concluded. Yeah, he was, he was a headline for fights. He, no, no, I mean, even even after losing to Khabib, or even going into Khabib, he was not a headline for really the fight. He was a headline for fighting. Chaos. No, for chaos. For chaos. Whether it's yeah, whether it's today, like you know, fighting in a bar, like you you, you don't want to be a headline for something that's not about your sport. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's that shouldn't be the conversation. So go fight with Donald Cowboy Cerrone, legend of the game. Been in the game for 15 years. I mean, he mm-hmm. is your. If you're a fight fan, he's you know he's your fighter's favorite fighter. That man loves to fight. Yeah, he he's he's one of these guys where no one has a problem with. Like, you just can't be mad at Cowboy. No, like, you can't talk smack about Cowboy. He's he's fought so many times in a, in a calendar year consecutively. So you know what? We know he's a real fighter, and this is the biggest fight of his life, biggest payday, and you know. And let's second. let's just jump back. Qu- just a little bit. So, I think it was around right after the fight. It was probably like April or May. Connor says, "I'm done. I'm retired." And oh, then was it the was it a tweet or was it an interview? I think it was a tweet. Oh, it was a said, "I'm it was a said, I'm done." And then you know, summer goes along. A um, couple things here and there. Oh, it was oh, Connor. Oh, I think he had a, an interview on ESPN. He did Ariel Hawani. He was did. May? Yeah, it was either May or June. I think we were still in school. We were. Yeah, he just talked about his personal struggles, you know, with some of the things that were going on. And, you know, Ariel Hawani. Ariel Hawani never really talks about, like, the actual fight. He always wants to know kind of like the side stuff, like injuries or personal stuff, which is why a lot of people don't like him. And then, um, and then Connor came out saying that he hurt his hand. Yeah, he hurt he, he, he wasn't going to have a summer fight that was originally planned. So that's, that, that sidelined him for most of 2019, mm. actually all of 2019. Yep. So, you know, as we're going on, you know, we're, we're, we're hearing we're hearing things about like oh McGregor wants to come back oh of course he wants to come back he's tweeting book my rematch in Moscow he's tweeting at um you know if Mayweather comes to MMA he's like book my rematch in inside the octagon with Mayweather he's and he's doing all these ridic he's saying all these ridiculous things Dana White's not saying it's he's not saying he's not saying much and then all of a sudden it's um. There's like it's becoming more and more of a real of an optimistic real realistic thing that's going to happen. They're saying, do we book the rematch? Do we book you know uh, a Diaz trilogy? Is there a no- I forget who a third fighter they wanted? And then they come to the fact. Then they come to the point where they're like, oh, Connor versus Cowboy Cerrone at, and they determined it was going to be at 170. 
this is becoming more of a real thing now. And then around late November, December, they finally officially signed. Absolutely. That they were fighting this past Jan- this past January 18th. And it happened. It's four days ago. Yeah, so and officially, Conor McGregor was back. Yes. Was back, back in the octagon and also went back to his winning ways. Back to his winning ways. So one thing that we should mention is, um, you know, like I, I even know this. This is kind of like an obvious thing. If you're not, if you, if you're really good at something, but you're not like, like, like I'll just say it, like ring rust. Like if you're not like playing a sport, like, like you take like a, a long time off, or you're not doing something that you were doing every single day, or doing, or like training every single day. You take time off. You don't do it, whether it's sports or whether it's anything. You're gonna have a little rust. You're gonna have to like get back into it a little bit to see like you know if you still have it. You know, it's just a little to shake off the jitters a little bit. So like everyone was thinking, oh, he's got he's been away too long. It's similar like I'm saying this, it's it was similar to Ronda Rousey, he took too much time off thinking he could just come back and just continue where he's at. So that's why people were saying, Oh, Cowboy's like too consistent. He'll probably just like, you know, end the fight in the second or third round and like, you know, it'll be a little bit like similar where it's like, Oh, you, you took time off for a year, you're coming back thinking you're the same way. And lo and behold, you know, I would say a lot of people were wrong in that case because he comes out swinging. Literally, he I think he tried to jump at Cerrone as soon as the bell rang. Then all of a sudden, a couple a couple shoulder a couple shoulders to the nose, and then you know Cowboys he's already he's bloodied in the first what twenty seconds. Yeah, fifteen twenty seconds. He's, half the fight, his nose is already like broken. Connor kicks Connor lands a left kick to the face. Cowboy goes down, and he ends the fight in 40 seconds. You know, keep in mind, this is what, his third professional fight at 170? Yeah. Third, like third? With another lightweight. With another lightweight. So, like, he he goes into it, you know, not fighting at a weight he's accustomed to. He comes off of a, of a year of, like, basically a year without, like, you know, in the octagon. He was probably training, but he wasn't, like, he wasn't fighting. And then he, like, he literally finishes a vet like Cerrone in 40 seconds, which I, I don't think anyone really expected. I, mean, I didn't expect it. I definitely did not. And so, you know, it was just a crazy sight. And then as soon as the fight's over, you know, there's the there's the talk about what's next for him. Is he going to continue to fight? Is it, you know, three fights a year, which is, which would be, you know, that's what everyone was saying, which would they would really want to see. That was going into the cowboy fight, so step one is complete. That probably has no injuries at all, really. No, because they kept like you know they kept like sending out like little like reports, little articles about how good he was looking physically leading up to this fight, and he did. He looked like you know he put on a lot of muscle, and he looked like he was ready to go. He, uh, you know, he got time off. He cleared his head, and he just got back to the game. And as soon as the fight was over, you know, it's like what is next for him, because. There was there's so many possibilities. He said he wanted to fight Jorge Masvidal, Masvidal for the BMF title, and then in March, and then everyone was saying, oh, we should have um, Conor Habib too, but he's already scheduled to fight Tony Ferguson, and then and then the other um, the other scenario was is what if Tony Ferguson actually wins? You know, then is he gonna fight Tony? You know, or is he just gonna fight Habib? 
And then there was talks, Dana White was saying that like there are talks of Mayweather, some type of Mayweather thing, which he guaranteed. He said, we are doing something with Mayweather sometime this year, which is something to look forward to, I think. And like there were like three or four possibilities that could happen. What, Jake, what do you think is, is next? Where are we backing up to? Yeah, no, I didn't think. No, you said a lot of people were saying a lot of people were not saying. A lot of people what? We're not saying Cowboy was going to be Cowboy. Oh, okay. Well, I feel like. I was completely wrong. Okay, well. A lot of people were. I don't know who your I don't know who your inner circle is. I was just looking on Sports Center and stuff, and like a couple other things. How many experts on Sports Center? I don't know, man. Who like who is a lot of people? Stephen A. No, I don't. I don't watch Stephen A. I don't like Stephen A. Okay. But also, yeah, if he finished, you know, finished Cowboys running 40 seconds, yes, they're going to say that's the fastest person to ever do it. But a lot of people said, yes, Cowboy has been, has been a very aggressive, uh, very limited, not really a defensive fighter for the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, he's taking a lot of, he's taking a lot of beating, so it's kind of, kind of, a little disappointing for me to see Cowboy lose the biggest fight of his career in 40 seconds. It's only fair. Yeah. So get that out the way. I thought it was going to be longer. I thought it would have lasted more than two seconds. I was really hoping it lasted two seconds. So, because I wanted, I wanted to see what we can learn about Connor after this one loss. Yeah. Like, re- what else did he add to this to the toolbox? Did, did he add any, any more? Well, besides the shoulders. <laughs> we know he added the shoulders. Like, well, did he add? Well, he's that. Everybody, every real MMA fighter been doing is shoulder shoulder strikes in the clinch. Shoulder checks. Shoulder strikes, whatever. <laughs> One thing I was surprised about Connor, which I have not seen him do since Nate, the Nate fight because he just did an awful job at it. Which one? Throw a roundhouse. Throw, oh, throw a roundhouse? Yeah, he threw, that's how he, that's how he, um, Cowboy, you know, he hit, hit with that left roundhouse to the face and that surprised me because last time he threw a roundhouse, trying to do, trying to chop down Nate Diaz, Nate Diaz's legs with some, with some leg kicks. On the first one he threw, he broke his foot because he didn't know how to attack a leg kick. I was like, that's not good if you're a, if you have this karate background, and you like throw a lot of spinning heel kicks, you throw a lot of side kicks, but you don't know how to throw a roundhouse. Oh man, I don't. That's not that's not a good thing. But nope. but it was good to see that he you know he landed he he surprised Cowboy with with a roundhouse. That that also shocked me. I'll give him that. Okay. Uh, I don't, but we also don't know how much he added to his ground game. I know he works. With, yeah. I know he works with a, a really good grappler like Dylan Dennis, but. <laughs> But for somebody, as but if you if for Dylan Dennis, you know that's his best friend, good friend right there. Keep saying, oh, Connor's the best MMA grappler I've ever seen. Well, I mean the guy doesn't know how to fight a rear naked choke, so doesn't know how to put it where to put it, place his hands for the hand fighting. So I don't even know how good, how many good MMA grappers are going against. Ah, uh, you know those those guys are biased. You know. Well, of course that's your team. Yeah, but, of course. But uh, and still, like, I don't know how good you are when you're not even fighting a rear naked choke against Khabib or Nate Diaz. Yeah. If you're not trying to fight the hands. I don't. That's not a good thing. But now. What happens after? What, well, first of all, what would you like to see? I w- I'm going to take it back to 155. 170 is not as much. Okay. So, what happens after? You, okay, well, if he's going to stay at 170, the obvious thing you got to do is you got to make him Michael Buffer. Mm-hmm. That is the most obvious thing you got to do. The reason 
If you say the one time, the reason you gotta fight Michael Brown is because this man said he had lupus, I think he said he had a had a bicep injury to take care of, so he's gonna be out for a few months. Yeah. We don't know when. We don't know how serious the injury is. We don't know when he's gonna come back to training. Michael Brown's ready to go. Yes, he is. Um, I don't like the idea that his coach recently said that he they would love to fight Justin Gaethje at one seventy. Why, why are we just fighting lightweights at 170? If you're going to be in a middleweight class, then fight welterweight. You fight some welterweights. Mm. It's like, you fought two lightweights at welterweight. Yeah, they've had a history of fighting at 170. It's not their, I- do you, it's but not do their ideal weight class. So you think if he were to stay and fight real welterweights, he wouldn't do, where, he wouldn't do well? No. Because Kamal Usman, Colby Covington, Kyle Don't Murray, Leon Edwards, Jorge Masvidal's in there, Five who also was at 
Luke's top five. That's those. That, those are the types of fighters that Connor needs to be fighting. The guys he needs to because besides Eddie Alvarez and Khabib, he hasn't really proved himself right now. Though. Yes, he beat Eddie Alvarez for the title. That was a, an amazing title fight. It's an, an amazing performance. I also like. I also have to think that Eddie Alvarez has made a career at taking punches from Luke, at dishing like Luke or taking all like the best punches from him, and then trying to like persevere through. You know, at some point that will catch up to you. So Luke can kind of look forever. Okay, I see what you're saying. And then, like, you know, we saw Khabib. Like, we don't know how we don't know how serious he's. You know. How unfocused he was for Khabib, but we know. Yeah, we know he was though. Yeah, I don't know how serious it is. John Jones always makes the excuse that he'd get blacked out drunk. <laughs> yeah. Make sure he has that excuse of why he lost. Yep. In case he ever lost, he did it. I don't. So that's why I don't know how. Who's how, he? Who's he fighting next? Dominic Reyes, yeah, dude, that's gonna be a good fight. I think I, so. I like, I like Dominic Reyes. Mm-hmm. I think I'm, so. Too. I'm, a, I'm not gonna take Connor's word like too much. No, no, I'm not either. I, I wasn't. I was so unfocused for Khabib. I don't know. I'm just gonna wait and see. I'm not. If you're gonna say you're 100% focused on the rematch, we'll figure that out. Khabib's never out of focus. I don't. I don't know how. how It's like it's like the Ferguson Khabib fight. When you first told me about that, how they tried to schedule it like three or four times, and and it kept getting pushed back. And now, like it's official, they're fighting in. Well, they're always official. They always had a contract. No, 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 I meant like this one's official. Like they're fighting in March or April. April Like you know, as soon as I heard that, I was like. I'm just gonna wait till fight night. I'm not even gonna say anything about it and, uh, if it does happen. He says he wants Khabib in the rematch. Well, Khabib just got done fighting. Yeah. yeah obviously, those are that's the type of style that you just don't know how to train for, really, and that type of cardio thing that you just it's really hard to yeah. keep up for 25 minutes. That's another guy because Ferguson, you know, he he came off he like he came back. He defeated Anthony Pettis, I think, the same night that uh, Conor McGregor came back. Then he was going through all this personal stuff. You know, his wife put out a restraining order against him. Yeah, Dustin Poirier, look, he's like, he's not like a complete, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't think I'm qualified to say he's a completely different fighter, but he's, he's made some strides. He's, he's made like a lot of strides since he lost to Conor McGregor when when McGregor was on his like uphill towards stardom. Yeah. And he was cutting a lot of weight at one point in time. He made the he made the right decision to go to one fifty five. And now he's and now he's saying he thinks he's too big for one fifty five. Let's show you like now he's much different. The boxing a little more crisp. The grappling is a little, a little bit better. But you know how how we can't really see how good your grappling is against Khabib either at the elite level. I kind of kind of sucks that you know that ragdoll like that too. But yeah. Whatever. All right, so we're we're gonna wait and see. We're gonna wait and see what happens. But other but otherwise, I feel like it's gonna the future is up up on the up and up for everybody. We're gonna we're gonna move on a little bit. Um, so before the break, before the month long break that we went on, probably in like what was it October November, there were rumors about how the Astros potentially cheated back in 2017. The November, okay, there were rumors about it. At the time, we didn't know much. We just knew that. It was out there. 
And then recently, over over like Christmas, New Year's, the last couple of weeks, it has blown up. It has become probably one of the most biggest sports conspiracy theories. Like like it's it's becoming no 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 it's becoming more and more conspiracy with other teams now with other like with other things like so many things yeah so many things are out there like you know the what well, like the steroid era is over and the the the, the, the sign stealing era is gonna go on for the next thirty years if if like yeah if anything like remotely like good happens to a team like where they say where did this come from they're gonna like people are gonna say. They stole signs. If they're such a good hitting team. They stole signs. And as a team, if they're hitting like 315 or 320, signs getting racked up. Okay, so let's let, let let's break this down a little bit. So, so it was it was made in it was brought to attention that the Astros might have cheated back in 2017 against the LA Dodgers, and they may have cheated like and they supposedly cheated this World Series. Um, against the Nationals. Now, there were reports that, like, oh, look at their batting averages at home versus away. They're batting 500 at home, like all these players, but then they're batting, like, 100 on the road. And then all these and then you know, all these speculations were happening. And then more and more and more, we were seeing that it may or may not be true. Now, for those of you that, you know, love watching YouTube videos like I do, there's a YouTuber by the name of John Boy Media, and he he's the guy that like you know if l- let's say like like he'll do a breakdown of an at bat. He's the guy that reads lips and like you know he'll tell you what the managers or the players are saying when they get ejected, saying you know stuff like that. He's he's the breakdown guy. So he released a video stating proof the Astros were cheating, you know, with um with with sign stealing back in the, back in the day because he would say. Listen for the loud metallic bang twice for an off-speed pitch. You would hear it in the video. You would hear it. You hear the bang, bang, and then it was a change-up, or the bang, bang, and it was like an off-speed slider, and that became a huge thing. And people were saying, you know, how is this guy noticing this stuff? And then more and more we would get into it, like certain things were coming out. Apparently, like Carlos Beltran at the time was in on it. He was the head player doing the translating, apparently. For um for the players that were in on it, and for the managers, the GM and the manager for the Houston Astros, who were both there at the time, they've both been suspended from baseball, and then they were fired, um from the Houston Astros. So the Houston Astros were looking for a GM and a coach, and were like only a few weeks away from spring training. And also, the big thing is was Altuve with his shirt, you know, back in. Using video equipment. So the difference between like stealing a sign, like when you're in the game, versus this is very big. Because if you're on second base and you see that the catcher is putting down a sign that you recognize, and you signal to the batter, "Oh, he's gonna throw you a fastball. I can see it." That's completely allowed. Because you know you can't. Like if so, like that's completely allowed. If you pick up on a pitcher's tell, like if he like you know rubs his hat or like if he like dips his elbow, and you know that's that's a sign for a curveball, and then you you know the curveball's coming and you hit a home run, that's allowed. That's that's completely. Yeah, exactly. If you can translate that stuff, that's completely allowed. That's like watching film. 
That's like knowing your opponent's moves because you studied them, okay? That's completely, that's always been done. But this is a little different. This is using, you know, modern technology with cameras, look, looking at, you know, signs and using a way to get it to the, get it to the batters as they're at, as they're at bat is going on, or even like, you know, for certain tendencies and like getting the message to them somehow. Now, Altuve, the whole Altuve thing is, is that he hits a walk-off. He hits a walk-off. I don't remember where it was from. It was either from this series or back in 2017. They're, they're, you know, back, back in those days, like back in those days, it was, that wasn't that long ago. They're tearing each other's shirts off. You know, they're like, that's like, exactly. You know, the Gatorade over the head, the helmet coming off, the shirts being ripped off. It's, it becomes a whole thing. But then all of a sudden, we see him rounding third in uh, twenty in twenty nineteen to send the team to the World Series, and he's like, "No, no, no! Don't rip my shirt off!" And he said, "Oh, it was because he didn't want to get in trouble with his wife." And then that became a whole thing. They were saying, "You know, why didn't he want to get his shirt torn off? It's because he was wearing a wire." There was a there was a, a report. Bleacher Report did something where they saw like a bulge in his jersey, and they said that could be the possible like little thing. Buzzer. People are conspiring that there was a, for one of the, the games that the national player gets like an interview to have his jersey off just to. Josh Reddick. Yeah, Josh Reddick. Josh Reddick. They were. You can see there's a. There's a, tape. There's. Tape and a different type of wire. And, and at people first, were. At first, I'm assuming, was he playing Wednesday night baseball, Sunday night baseball? They're going to have an interview with him initially. Yeah, yeah, was it confetti? Was it, you know. But I can, you can see it was a wire. It was definitely something, and then there was that. So I assumed, okay, it's going to, he's like, it's an in-game interview. Yeah, like I, I actually just thought about this too. It could have been like with a mic'd up thing, yeah, like they do in the All Star game, like mic'd but, up during the game, but it, but it which I don't think they would ever do that. But but if these things are true, but like you know, Altuve said, don't rip up my jersey, don't take off my jersey because we all have, you know, they got wires. They, 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 I think the last um, rumor was they've come to the conclusion that not every player was in on it because if every player knew about it none of them would have gone to actually like try to rip off his shirt because they all would have been like oh he's wearing a wire we can't touch him just celebrate so that was said on the uh, Michael K show like if every player knew about it they wouldn't have like tried to tear his shirt off so you know based on that speculation we know that Beltron Altuve um, Alex Bregman was accused even though he denied all allegations he was been he's been accused Josh Reddick and obviously the GM and the manager of, of Alex Cora, Alex Cora, the bench coach at the time, at the time of the uh, Astros World Series win. Now, when this initially came out and they found that the Astros were guilty, the initial penalty was they lost draft picks for the next two years. They lost first and second round draft picks, a total of four. Uh, the GM and manager Hinch and they were um, suspended and fired. And the five million dollar fine, which was kind of funny because five million dollars—that's like. So it turns out, but it turns out in, under the agreements with fines, the, the max is what you can give is five million dollars. Yeah, which to baseball, that's like nothing. That's. But, but still, this is like I'm saying, like this is this feels like for an owner, like this is more than just a five million dollars. Yeah, and then they immediately MLB said right after that they immediately um posted saying. That the next, the next, you know, person to like be accused or like n not to be accused, the next person guilty is going to be a much bigger fine. And then, not even like a day or two later, Alex Cora is found guilty, and he hinted at you know Carlos Beltran with you know 
like with the machine uh with the uh interview he did about using machines and stuff he basically outed carlos beltran and then once again and then again the astros asked him to step he stepped down as a red sox manager quoting that he was a distraction and he didn't want to be you know around, he didn't want the players to be involved in this and they still need a manager with like not even a month from spring training from now and also too carlos beltran did he he verbally admitted that he was involved in this that he was the main he was one of the main people within it within the cheating scandal and you know he was named Mets manager at the time and he again I said this from the beginning because he pretty much admitted it like right before he was hired and I said as, so as soon as he was hired I'm like he's gonna step down he's gonna quote-unquote step down and he's not even I guarantee he'll barely manage and I was right I like I, I didn't he didn't manage he didn't even make it one game and like I was right I didn't even think he was gonna make it to spring training and uh, you know I was saying that from the moment he got hired and you know, for the Mets, you know, he, he said the same thing. He said, "I'm a distraction for the team, and um, I need to step down." Even though he wanted to stay, the Mets are like, "No, you can't stay." So, that was a big thing with him. And um, it was announced today that the World Series titles, the World Series title, and the pennants will not be stripped. But you know, obviously, everyone's going to look in shame with those because they're going to be like, "Oh, you kind of like you know, ruined the game a little bit." Not a little bit, a lot of bit. And um, so those that will not be um, they won't they won't take it away, but it'll it's it's tarnished because you know unfortunately they just they ruin the game of baseball a little bit because if you'll remember like when back in '94 for everybody listening when they went on strike when the players associated went on strike and ended the season where Tony Gwynn was going to be the first player to you know bat 400 and like Ken Griffey Jr. was apparently going to break. Roger Maris's home run record and all these things were supposed to happen in 94. That all went to a halt. And then back in 95, you know, Major League Baseball took a major hit. No one really wanted to come to the games anymore because they felt like we've been cheated, you know. And then, you know, eventually Cal Ripken's consecutive game streak kind of like saved baseball a little bit because that happened that the next year. But like, you know, that was a major hit for us. And now this thing happens where it's like, you know, we're living in a time now where Everything is going to be suspect. Every little, every game, every no hitter, perfect game, every every cycle that's going to be hit. Everything now is going to be a little suspect because when this all happened, it opened like a can of worms. All of a sudden, Tony Larusa is being accused, or he accused someone, you know, with the 2011 Cardinals, and then you know Alex Cora with the Red Sox, and then all this stuff is coming out and it's like it's like the tip of an iceberg and now everything's like trickling down and now like MLB has to find a way to stop this and I'm thinking over here what are they gonna do like I have no idea what they would do do you know like like someone was saying they would take monitors out of like the dugout or like the or, like the locker rooms and I'm just thinking this is a this is very unprecedented because this has never happened before and like this is gonna go down in history as like a you know, a big turning point or a big disaster point for baseball, you know, because like, you know, a hundred years ago, the Black Sox, they, they freaking, they lost, they took money. Right, but, but it's not, but like that's different because at least the winners, they're not involved in the cheating scandal. And, but as like luckily that the Black Sox have been the losing World Series, so it doesn't really matter. You can't take anything away from them. I think what I'm trying to say is it's like, it's like, 
I yeah. What I'm trying to say is, it's like you know, up there in terms of like baseball history moments. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh... So, really, I guess the two most annoyed and upset fan bases the Yankees and the Dodgers. Because <laughs> a lot of Yankees fans... Yeah, Aroldis Chapman was tweeting about how he got screwed, about how he should have another ring, and... Now, see, the Yankees were possibly cheated out of a World Series. I don't mind. The, the Dodgers were literally cheated out of a World I Series. I mind that. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry, bro. I'm sorry. I don't know what it's like to lose two in a row. It was really tough. I barely know what it's like to get there in the first place. And we do you guys as well. Yeah, we do. We do. I I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) But we were talking about this, too, because we were texting back and forth. You were saying, we were both kind of saying, what about, like, individual suspensions yeah. for certain players because like the managers have been like quote-unquote dealt with now like what happens to the players that like have been involved how many the whole team knew yes, the astros the whole yeah. entire team knew yeah brett gardner's just banging on the dugout for no reason if you're not in the game, what do you have to do? What are you really doing? Yeah. So we we you were saying to me like this is something that helps the whole team. Yeah. You were saying like Altuve deserves like 50 games. Like you know, certain certain people deserve like multi a lot of games and like because it was it was discovered it was going on during the entire season and the postseason. Yeah. That's what the evidence shows. They were they weren't just doing this for the postseason or just just to say no. Yeah, which, which is crazy. So does that, does that like tarnish Altuve's like yeah. lore? Yeah, because, because just be, just with just with the cheating, do you really know for sure if he has just an amazing postseason and an amazing inning season, or now that now that you know that there's the cheating scandal for the entirety of the season, how good of an inning is he? That's what cheating does. Yeah, I know. That's exactly what. That that does. was the same thing because like you know people. Like Barry, like Barry Bonds, people don't think that he was on steroids, but then all of a sudden, you know, he he does steroids, and then he hits seventy three. He wasn't the he wasn't the huge home run hitter. He was a really good hitter. Well, he wasn't like a forty five. Ken Griffey Jr. just a natural, beautiful home run hitter. His swing was beautiful. Yeah, he's one of the greatest hitters ever swing, and it just so happened he can swing the ball so great, swing the bat so great, and he's gonna hit home runs. But you never thought he was on steroids. Nope. Barry Bonds grew muscle. Yep, as as hit, as the muscle mass grew, the stolen bases slowly went down. Yo, he was. Yo, also went up. Yep, his his uh, you know, his stolen base numbers went down. His age went up. His muscles were getting a little bit bigger. He's hitting like sixty home runs as a thirty-seven. That's fine. He's winning. He's he's winning four consecutive MVP. Well, four consecutive MVPs, like in his like yeah. mid to late thirties. Yeah, but but we're not. We, but at the end of the day, you're not gonna deny it. Barry Bonds is a great hitter. Speaking of the steroid era, um, Barry Bonds and what, what was it, Roger Clemens? They both um 
they're both gaining in the um, Hall of Fame status. They both got 60%, 61% in the last vote, and they both, uh, which you only need 75 to to get in to be inducted. So, you know, I don't know how much time they both have left on the ballot. Yeah, I know they're both really running out of time. They're both running out of time, but they're gaining a little bit, which is a little little frightening. I'm, I'm okay with Barry Bonds. You're okay. Well, it's still, it's still called the Hall of Fame. One, but you were known to be a really good player. Not the Hall of Very Good or Pretty Good. Yeah. Or Hall of, like, just the greatest ever. No, it's the Hall of Fame. You were known, you were a known commodity in, in Major League Baseball. And you also had a lot of merit. Even before the steroid scandal, Barry Bonds was really good. He was with the Pirates in first few years in San Francisco. He was, a, he, he, was, was he was phenomenal. He was one of the greatest left-handed hitters in the game His, ever. His class of rookie class was one of the greatest rookie classes of all time, and he led the way with him, Canseco, um, Jose Canseco, and then Greg Maddox and Rafael Palmero. He was on steroids. Oh, God. Great players. Yep. Um, speaking of Hall of Fame, so newly inductees, Derek Jeter and Larry Walker. Larry Walker going in most likely as a Colorado Rocky. Or Montreal, that's pretty much the only two teams he played for. Derek Jeter, longtime Yankee, being inducted. Everybody is butthurt that he wasn't a unanimous. He got 396 out of 397 votes. Everybody online is upset. I'm very happy. I'm upset too. You're upset about it. Yeah, because he was basically the face of baseball. No, okay, I'll say this. If he was unanimous... I would have like said, "Oh yeah, you know that's that's kind of expected." He would, he, would, he should be, in my opinion, and now how the base, baseball voting is, it's a lot more lenient. He deserves, not really deserves. Maybe Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah, really, my opinion too. Ken Griffey should have gotten Derek unanimous. Jeter, like, for like the first like in like like everyday player position, he did earn to be the first ever unanimous inductee. So, what do you think went through the mind of that one voter? That's what you okay. That's I, I totally think no one deserves. That's my opinion. I don't. I don't think um people deserve a hundred. Like it, the question really just is: Do you belong in the Hall of Fame? That's all it really is. Mm-hmm. Does he deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, absolutely. Then why vote him? I don't know. Exactly my point. It might have. So there's these these thoughts of oh no one deserves to be a hundred or or you want to and then the, and then people like Colin Cowherd. Howard, really. Who say, like, oh, I, I voted no for Derek Jeter to be a Hall of Famer. Like, because he wasn't as clutch as you think. Well, five World Series, being called Mr. November, having great postseason numbers, being so many, being selected to the All-Star game so many times, over 3,400 hits. He doesn't deserve to be a Hall of Famer? Yeah, it's a, little, it's a little weird, a little weird. Like, we, these logics, like, oh, like, someone doesn't, someone didn't earn the Hall of Fame vote yet. Like, it's really dumb. You just sound petty and old. <laughs> so, like, you can, like, just stop. Yeah. Let's, uh, let me, let me look at the numbers real quick. Okay. So, Jeter had 99. Um, point seven. Okay. 0.7. That's what the average, average turned out to be. Um, Even, I think OJ Simpson came out and said that was ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> OJ. Here it is. Barry. Derek Jeter, 396 votes, 99.7. Larry Walker, 304 votes with 76.6. His 10th and final year on the ballot. Finally got the big one. Kurt Schilling, 8th 
He was at, this is his eighth year. He got 70, so five more percent, five more votes. He's getting in, which in the next two years is possible. Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds, as we said, they're also in their eighth year. They're at 61 and 60.7. And then everybody else is kind of just, you know, just hanging, around. hanging around. Sammy Sosa's down there. He's He's got not even 14%. You know, he's there's just no, chilling. There's no way. Manny Ramirez somehow got 28%. You know, I, I don't know how you could let him in. He's the, Fenway is really hell. He's the most notorious steroid user. It's interesting because I go into Fenway. Because uh, we did a, we did the tour of Fenway Park. It's really nice. It's really interesting. Yeah, very nice place. It, it does have really nice tours. No, no. Um, nice history. Like, pretty much all sellouts. All home games are always sellouts, yeah. which is kind of. How, how many seats are there? It's not that hard to sell out when you've been. Oh, I just think it's 40, a great place to be. You know. Forty thousand. Yeah. Is it re is it really not even forty thousand? No, it's not. Well, not even forty thousand oh. seats in the whole, in the in the stadium. There's standing sections. Yeah, yeah. But you don't have 40,000 seats. I just thought, um, you know, it, it was... It was 37,731. I was going to say 36,000. Okay, so, you know, that's... You don't even have 40,000 to sell. That's very, yeah. Dodger Stadium is 56,000. Yeah. City Field, 41. 41. <laughs> City Field only has 4,000 more seats yet. We can't sell. We can't sell out a single home game, except for like, except for like the first game of the season. Red Sox had a lot of seats. Yeah, they do. But I mean, we, we so going to the Fenway tour, it's kind of interesting how like the Red Sox kind of like want to not acknowledge Manny Ramirez as part of those, part of those World Series. No, no, he's. But they're not going to mention that. Remember, Big Poppy was a big part of the steroid scandal too. Yeah, you know he, he he was. I'm I'm just gonna say this, like in my opinion, like. He wasn't like, like Manny Ramirez was talked about, or like you know, in, like, like he was talked about or investigated probably a lot more than Big Poppy was. There might have been like, I forget what was the report where like the doctors report like you know like that like exploited like fifty to sixty players. Like David Ortiz, yes, was on that list, but like it, when you talk about it, like he's like low on the list of like did he do steroids? Probably. Like no, like. Like, no, 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 here's the, but here's the thing. Also, remember he he was not that successful in Minnesota. No, he was terrible. the The best he the best he did in Minnesota was like 20 home runs, and then his his like second year in Boston, he hits like 30, I think. I know. I I understand. I understand. I to me, it's funny. Like, I Manny Ramirez did not end very. He did not end on good terms with Mike. No, I I understand what you're saying. I'm just trying to say that like he was a little bit more like. He was a little bit more like you know yeah, like remember, was really good. hated for it like you know he was like yeah no he was fantastic yeah he, his days his days in Cleveland were very were very nice yeah tiny bit sprinkle little sprinkles at the end of his career it's like Brett it's like Brett Favre in Minnesota you don't really talk about it but it happened. Little sprinkle, but you know, and then of course Pedro Martinez is still talked about in Boston, and like you know he was yeah. involved in the steroid scandal too. But it's also kind of interesting how they really do not. But he's a Hall of Famer. They're both well, yeah. And so they were he was in the Hall of Famer. Yep. And Pedro is a Hall of Famer. But when is wait? When is his not, turn next year? Is it not? No, no, because because A Rod A Rod in fourteen, it's it's twenty twenty. So that's I don't know. That's kind of. 
No, it's five. But like for some reason, I don't. Either they change the rule, or five years means something. Like it means like twenty nineteen after twenty nineteen. I I don't really know like if it's twenty nineteen or after twenty nineteen. I'm assuming it's after, just because it has to be five years, not on the fifth year. It has to be so basically your sixth year. So this is this is Jeter's sixth year out of the league, and it's just, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. So David Ortiz retired in sixteen, which means in twenty twenty two. He's allowed to be on the ballot, which, you know, he'll probably, I see him probably getting like 80, 85, you know, considering that he, that he did do steroids, but like people are going to say, oh, he probably stopped. He's got like three rings. He's got, he's in the 500 home run club and he was Mr. Red Sox. Yep. He was the face, you know. Yeah, that's. That's true. You know, he was, and he was very sporadic. You know, he, he would break phones, curse at umpires, but, you know, he was just like, hey, I'm cool. You know, move on to the next one. Which, uh, you know, and so remains to be seen. But that Jeter, that one vote, you know, I'm, I'm very curious what, what, what went on through that person's head. I mean, yeah, but, you know, they gave it to Mo. Yeah, no, I know. I agree with you. I agree. That's that's why it happened. But yeah, Lou Gehrig doesn't deserve a hundred. Like exactly my point. These are still great players. What's stopping them from just? I don't know, man. Like Cal Ripken. Cal Ripken. Like Cal Ripken was like Mr. Oriole. He was never. I mean, it might have been because of the fact because of the. Some of the news around his streak, but like some of the negative new views about his streak, but like and I don't. Sometimes I don't know, man. Every single day. Yep. Yeah, like Han- like Hank Aaron. Like, how does Hank Aaron, you know, not even accused of anything, you know, over? Yeah. All right, so uh, let's 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 move on just a, a little bit. Not not move on, but so um, there was a <laughs> there was a funny meme posted about Pete Rose, and it was basically like these when guys, these guys cheated, they gotta get one year suspension. Yeah, and he's got like a lifetime. So the it's Pete Rose, the face you make when the Astros manager gets caught cheating and is only suspended uh, for a year. Yeah. The manager or the GM? More likely the manager. Manager? Mr. Hinch? I don't know his name. I'm sorry. I'll look it up. Yeah. Keep going. AJ Hinch and Jeff Lanau. Lunau, whatever. Yeah. So does Pete Rose have a gripe here? Does he say, "Well, if you're not going to suspend them for forever, why why did you suspend me?" No, I know, I know. They're a different time, different commission. Yeah. Well, he was he was one of. 
He was a jackass. He was. Well, no, he betted on the team to win. Right, but he also potentially, if you bet, he also bet on the team to lose. Right? I think owners aren't going to like that. Yeah. So it doesn't make any commissioner work for commissioner Yep. Yeah. So I, but I want to know, are these methods, how long will it take for these managers to adapt? Or are they going to have, like, are there, is there going to be that agreement that, no, team manager, team manager. Well, I feel like if, if, if there is going to be something like that where he gets banned or like if he like gets like like uh what's the word I'm looking for lowballed or blackballed by the entire league that's not going to happen until his year is up until next season I don't know for all for all like I don't for all we know AJ Hinch could have just been following orders you know like I don't think I don't think it was ever specified how involved he was. Just the fact that he knew and he was involved. No one really said how involved he was, but he was involved, so he got implicated for it. I always find it, I always find it funny when people when people trash the whistleblower instead of the actual cheating scandal. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's the fault of the whistleblower. Oh, can we can we talk about um can we talk about Carlos Beltran's like air quotes niece? Yeah, so yeah. so if it so there was this um, p- there was this person on Twitter who said that she was Beltran's niece, and it happened. She happened. She happened to know everything about Carlos like one week or a few days before it happened. She said a week before he got hired by the Mets that he's going to be the Mets manager. She said a couple days before he said yes, I cheated with the Astros that he was going to say something about that, and apparently. That wasn't Carlos Beltran's niece because the Beltran family stated that we have no idea who this person is. And then I think it was Gary Sheffield's son, Justice Sheffield, said, you idiots. It's someone within like the Astros organization with a burner phone, burner account, like tweeting this stuff. And like it became a whole thing, which was very hilarious because because she was saying, um, Tio, like, you know, Tio, I'm very... um, but I gotta say that you you did you you committed you did this. I can't be silent. You did this. You cheated. And he's like, I don't even know who you are. Who are you to say that I cheated? I'm gonna say that. And then he's like, Yeah, I did cheat. But, but like she knew everything before he did anything, which was like kind of funny because this all. So who is the person in the account? Oh, it's someone within the Astros. But, but it's funny that the Astros owner came out saying, I'm very disappointed in this whistleblower. Like, yeah. And this isn't even the first time the Astros have been like involved in something. What well, I, I I don't remember. Was it the Astros like whoever like that like dipped into like the scouting system for like the Cardinals or something? Was it? Someone know. went from the Cardinals to Houston or the other way around and then there was, was I think it was St. Louis Oh, okay, never mind then. But again, they were involved. The Astros were involved, whether they were the victims or not. That to me, that was kind of funny when they, when like they were like, "This isn't my niece. I don't know who this is, but we, I'm not related to her." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, okay." And then like, "Yeah, it's it's someone within the organization." But that's probably what was that's probably what was like in his contract 
Like, okay, we'll allow you to sign here and play here for your last year, but you got to do this for us. And he's like, I just want to play, man. <laughs> got to do it. Yeah. But um, there were talks about, you know, there were talks about the Astros or the certain players forfeiting the year. There were talks about, like, you know, just th them being stripped, which they're not. Like, it was official today. They're not being stripped. There were just there were, there were talks of like certain individual players being banned for half of the year or a good amount of the year, and you know so, or paying hefty fines, but so it's yet to be seen. We haven't heard anything as of like what ten days maybe, but um it's still a very big story, and considering in all the aftermath, um the Red Sox and the Astros don't have a manager, and spring training starts in like three weeks. Now the Mets. The Mets, even though they weren't really involved in it, they still needed a manager because Carlos Beltran, quote unquote, stepped down. And once, once, ag this, once again, I called it. I said from the very beginning that he said he was cheated. That I'm like he's not becoming the Mets manager. And they recently they decided to sign Luis Rojas, who the Mets they just said earlier today, probably like one o'clock or something, three hours ago, that. He will be the Mets coach. Now, who is Luis Rojas? He's 38 years old. He's a highly regarded in baseball circles and has strong baseball genes as one of Felipe Alou's 11 children. Uh, Alou is a former player himself and uh, is yet to be seen whether or not he can coach because he's never, he's never coached at the major league level. So we're going to see how that goes. He's coached in like the minors, the Gulf Coast. He's a little young for a manager. He's 38 years old. But it's still um, yet to be seen if he can coach. He's, signed, he's reported that he's signed a multi-year deal. And, you know, a multi-year deal for the Mets could mean means one year. And then if you do well, you can come back next year. Because, you know, we don't, we don't do well with multi-year deals. And... So we're gonna we're gonna see. I'm I'm excited that they didn't you know sign an analyst or someone or someone with like no coaching experience because no we could no we're not but you know if if you're the Raiders what what the hell man yeah yeah so you know they were they wanted to sign like an ESPN analyst they wanted to you know they they did do Carlos Beltran and then they had like two other people. And like three out of four of them had no managing experience. Yeah, no, I know they they did that, but they got a little, they got some better results. Yeah, yeah, yes, you're very you're very right about that. But at least now that the Mets, they have someone that's coached before, and so spring training, we're gonna see what he's made of, and you know, and it was also reported that David Wright stated that he does not want to coach, which you know I was. I'm like, okay, that's not a bad thing. I'm like, I'm a little, you know, I'm a little, like, iffy about it because I wish he would coach one day. Yeah, yeah. Hey. And just enjoy retirement. You want to work for MLB Network? All right. Uh, absolutely. I would, I would not mind seeing David Wright on MLB Network. Yeah, that would be something. So we're just going to, um, and, watch it. yeah, we're going to, we're going <laughs> to, are you talking to me? I'm talking about me. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So we're going to end with a little bit. 
just just I'm just gonna rattle off a couple things. So Dusty Baker, the longtime coach of the Cubs, the Giants, and most recently the Nationals, he said that like you know he was supposed to be contacted by the Red Sox and Astros and the Mets, but no one has contacted him yet. David Wright does not want to coach. The Mets want to trade Cespedes. Thank God. Yeah, something like that. Stroman, Marcus Stroman of the Mets, he loves the Rojas hire. You know, so that's, we're looking on the up and up. He signed a two-year deal, two guaranteed years. That means one year with, you know, if you do well, we'll keep you back. That's what that means. King Felix, after 15 years in Seattle, is heading to the Braves on a minor league deal. And, uh... Nolan Arenado feels disrespected. All these trade talks, he's an all-star MVP caliber player. He feels disrespected. I think he wants to be traded, but they won't trade him. He's like, trade me. No, we don't want to trade you. Okay, last two things. They're using robot umps in spring training this year. Now, this is like my worst nightmare come to fruition. Like, this is going to be bad. Like, this is not going to work out for anybody. I'm very disappointed that they're going. Human umpires are losing their jobs. This is so messed up. I understand that human umpires make mistakes, but that's part of the game. Yeah. They were using technology, so they have. They'd have a lot of cameras and sensors, and so you know, like how, like in the sh- like when you play a, a a video game, you see like you see the strike zone. Yeah. So they would like they would have that with like someone behind home plate and on a computer, they can like have all those sensors and basically detect was it in that strike zone or not, and they'll like live like they can live tell the umpire whether it was or not. I'm it was, just. It was interesting to see the concept. So I would I'd rather see that than an actual robot umpire. I'm just a little like confused about like what like how are they gonna judge strike zone for each hitter because each hitter is a different height and stuff like that. What happens if you know they call a strike and yes, it's technically in the strike zone, but then someone like Bryce Harper is gonna go off? Is he gonna beat up this so-called robot machine? You know, is it gonna stand right behind home plate? Is it just gonna be like a loud like y- a loud like yelling of strike throughout the entire stadium? Yeah, then all yeah, something like that, and then all of a sudden, like you know, someone's standing outside of the box, like what the like what the hell, man? That was clearly outside. Why are you calling that a strike? Or the pitch? Yeah, or the pitcher's like that was clearly a strike. I threw a strike. Give me my strike. You know, it's just stuff like that. Like, and what does that mean for like you know on the bases too? Are they using umps for that? Like, like how fast are these robots gonna move? Okay. Just because I really don't like the idea that, yes, there is a category for errors in the game, but I don't like that they're the officials also doing errors. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a little harder, in my opinion, for football and basketball because judgment calls happen much, much quicker than in baseball. Okay. The game is much more fluid in the sense that there's always some action happening, there's a faster pace. And f- but, I, but yeah. in baseball, like, the judgment calls, which could cost a team, but I don't want it to be the unbiased, like, third party. I'd rather <laughs> just have it be the two teams that make mistakes. Okay. 
And finally, uh, just to end the baseball talk, Twitter is lighting up on this uh, on this voter that didn't vote uh, Derek Jeter. They're calling. They're, they're like calling for his head. Like they're like really like you know pissed. I was gonna say that they need to like attack him and him or her and his family, but question their judgment. Yes, question the judgment. It's probably like a Red Sox. Not even. Uh, Red Sox fans are a little bit respectful. Yeah. Okay, we're going to end the baseball talk, and hopefully, like, you know, in the next coming weeks, we find some good, juicy stuff uh, throughout this season. Because yeah, this se- like, this season's going to be very... Find out, like, hopefully we find out that the commissioner actually does strip the Yeah. No, they're not stripping them. I know, I know, but I feel like they, actually, they deserve to strip so, you know, we're going to find that out with um, in weeks to come, hopefully. And this season's going to be very interesting with all the talk that happened before the season started. Uh, moving on, we're going to move to a little football. You know, the uh, the Super Bowl is happening. Super Bowl 54? 3? 4? I don't remember. I think we're on 4. I'm just going to say we're on 4. I don't even remember. I don't remember either. I, if it doesn't have the letters anymore, I don't care. Yeah. No, we're on. I think we're on 4. Okay, whatever. So... So the Super Bowl's coming up, Kansas City versus the 49ers in Miami. That's going to happen in mid-February, like February like 10th or whatever, that Sunday or whatever. I don't know, which, I don't know what the exact date is. And then uh, February, 2nd. February, February 2nd, okay, even better, 10 days from now. 54. Yeah, 54. Between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, wha- so, so were you watching the playoffs? Were you watching the NFL playoffs? Yeah, I was a little disappointed because you know I had I had three teams that I wanted to I wanted all of them to do well and all of them you know let me down. First, my Baltimore Ravens they you know they were oh, excuse me they were projected to go to the Super Bowl and to at least go and they don't make it past you know the first game, the first game which is very um, disappointing, especially since we got beat by the Titans. Now, respect to the Titans, they came out big. They, they won against um, – they beat, they beat the Patriots. They stunned Tom Brady, which I loved. And then they stunned Baltimore, but then they couldn't hold on against the Chiefs. After going up 10 to nothing. they just you know, kind of collapsed, and Patrick Mahomes took over. And a big respect to them, but I also you know, a little salty at them right now because my Ravens were supposed to go all the way. And then they just knocked them out early. I hate, that's one of the things I really don't like is when you have an upset, but then that te- but then right after the upset they lose. Like you know why not keep the upset going? I don't. I know it's like you can't control sorry, that, but sorry, but sorry, NFL football isn't scripted like that. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I just I never I never like seeing that because I'm like if you're gonna up if you're gonna upset, you know why not just go all the way? Well, remember they have to travel. The Titans travel. It sucks to keep traveling yeah. after a while. Breaking breaking news here on the Double J's podcast. Wednesday, 501, January 22nd. Eli will retire. Eli has announced his retirement after 16 seasons as the Giants QB, two-time Super Bowl MVP. You know, Eli spent a lot of time here in New York. Um, spent all his time in New York. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we wish you well, even though I didn't really like you towards like the last like six, seven years. And, you know... This is a new era for the Giants. You know what, Eli? Even though I'm not a Giants fan, like, I just like, I like this individual. Thank you for being Tom Brady's big sister. Well, yes, thank you for that. In the same way. That was thank you for that. Thank, okay. you, thank you for out-clutching Tom Brady. Speaking of Tom, Mr. Brady himself, the Patriots lost against the Titans, as we just said. He has stated that he wants out of New England. He's break, He's you know moving out of New England permanently. Well, 
Yeah, I know. He's he's 43. You know, I think it's time we start thinking about it. But back to uh, back to the Super Bowl. So when the when the when the uh, Ravens were out, I wanted um, I wanted this. I was rooting for the Texans as well because I'm a I'm a huge JJ Watt fan. Like just you know, as as both a football player and a person, I can't say anything bad about the dude. Just phenomenal player, phenomenal person off the field. I wanted to see him at least go far. If like you know, and you know, it was just sad to see, you know, he came back from a torn pec, supposed to be out for the entire season, came back for the playoffs, did considerably well, didn't do like he didn't do terrible, like he wasn't like you know a beast, but he came back, um, made some great plays. I think he got a sack or two and led the team him and Deshaun Watson with and also what's the uh Hopkins Hop DeAndre Hopkins he was playing great when they when they came back when they were like 16 down that was uh, that was just amazing how they were to do that and just and come up with the win and I thought they were at least going to go to the championship game championship game but not the not the the yeah the championship game not the Super Bowl but uh, I mean, they were up twenty-four to nothing, yeah. weren't they? Yeah. they? And they, and then like, what and was it, thirty? And then by halftime, it's twenty-eight. Yeah, and then it, and then they gave up like 34, 34 unanswered points, and then they lose like fifty to. 51-31? Yeah. It was bad when the stadium says we have run out of touchdown fireworks. Oh yeah. <laughs> They they there was I think they they said that like the Chiefs scored on like seven straight drives, which was unbelievable. So that's that's you know if you're gonna go down that's that's the way to do it. And then yeah, he Patrick Mahomes is a beast. And then you know on the other side I kind of wanted the Seahawks to do something because you know Marshawn Lynch, Mr. Skittles came back for the last three for three games and he was. You know, he was beast mode. He went out there. Also, let's also acknowledge that in the game prior to losing to the Packers, they didn't, they, they for <laughs> giggled most of the touchdowns, especially once. Yeah. So, there's another, there's another argument there if, you, if anybody wants to have it of who should they have kept, Nick Foles or Carson Wentz. Yeah, which, you know, which, so I was disappointed in that, and then, you know, I was like, oh, the Packers, the Packers might. I, I was actually happy for the Vikings to beat the Saints. Because I wanted to hear Kirk Cousins say you like that. <laughs> I, I, I know he's not a great quarterback, Kirk Cousins, but I like Kirk Cousins. I like his grit and grit. I like, I like the fact that you know he's gonna, even though he knows like he's not gonna be a Peyton, he's not a Peyton Manning, but you know what? No. He's gonna get his best effort, even if it's four interceptions. Yeah, yeah. Like Jimmy G, Jimmy G, Jimmy G, man. I don't know anybody on the 49ers except for Richard Sherman. Uh, good for Richard Sherman after tearing his Achilles. Yeah. And then people said he negotiated a bad contract and to now be because mostly he was mostly going to get paid for the Saints. And the fact that he met those those Yeah, anytime a player can do that is is pretty nice. Yeah, right. A lot of people were doubting if he ever would even be like pretty good. He had a really good season. Yeah, he did. Yeah, you know, Aaron Rodgers it kind of it would have been nice. What was the um Yeah. Wasn't the first Super Bowl ever? It was the Chiefs and the Packers. I thought I thought that would have been kind of cool if like, you know, the Chiefs and the Packers played each other. I thought I thought the story would have been better if it was 
the greatest passer we've seen in Aaron Rodgers against the next greatest passer we'll ever see. Yeah, that too. That's kind of cool. The best arm against the next best arm in football history, basically, going at it against each other. But, you know, this Packers, it doesn't feel like this Packers team was that good. Yeah. They were. And it did not feel like that when they lost to the No, it was like silent. It was like kind of like just low key. It felt like a pen and six in 2005 season. No. I remember when I saw them come out. I saw the Chargers just destroy the Packers. I was like, this team just isn't that good. And yet they only have two losses, I think, right? Yeah. That doesn't make sense. Who do you got in the Super Bowl? I got. I don't know. You don't know? Do you have, like, someone that you want to win? Okay. I got. Here's what I did find weird. What? After the 49ers win, they said this is the first time that the Niners have reached the Super Bowl since Steve Young. Jimmy G is the first quarterback, starting quarterback since Steve Young to reach the Niners Super Bowl. So they're basically saying. Huh? They're basically not acknowledging how Ka- many times they've reached the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe they're saying as a full season, because I don't think that was a full season for him. Season. They didn't? Oh, they're just straight up, like, just saying, no, we don't, we don't consider Colin Kaepernick. No. No, Colin took that team. Yes, it was. Yeah, it's it should be it should be a good game, uh, regardless of who. You're... Jimmy G didn't, didn't do much. He had a lot of hands. Yeah, yeah. So if they can win, go to the Super Bowl just like that. What do you think of the Super Bowl halftime lineup? Oh, it's a it's a fun time. Yeah. It's gonna be fun in Miami, of course. They better bring this one out for this one. Kansas <laughs> City, they better bring them out. Yep. That is that is that is true. I'm I you know I'm. Super Bowl performances to me are double-edged sword. It's like it's very prestigious to be playing it, but at the same time, you can never play a good one because everybody's a critic. So. I mean, I don't really see anybody. Hardly anybody criticizes the first time they played it. I haven't had anybody criticize What year was that? Like... Was it 09? Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Especially, especially because we had... Like, that was back in the days when I didn't pay attention to those Yeah. Yeah, that. Who? Oh God. That was. Yeah. Oh my God. I loved SpongeBob, but. The Bubble Bowl. Forget about it, man. Bubble Bowl was epic. I mean, you know, your Lakers are killing it. Yeah, the Lakers are pretty good. The Bucks, man. Look at the Bucks. Yeah, the, bucker, the Buckaroos, man. The Bucks still number one. Onto Tacumbo. George Hill? I don't know. Well, they had you. George Hill wasn't, you know, the, the big impact player. Like, I, think, I think they lost Middleton. Mm. They lost somebody in Indiana, which I'm not sure that Indiana was like, you know, good again. Oh, okay. So, speaking of basketball, tonight is the... Uh, marvelous debut of 
you know, the college player of the year last year. And what would you say the most talked about athlete? Trending athlete of 2019, and he was 18 years old. Zion Williamson is making his debut tonight. He's been caught napping twice or three times already. He's, you know, the Pelicans, I will say, are playing, they're playing better ball. You know, Brendan Ingram is averaging 25 points. He's dropping 49. Lonzo Ball is like, you know, he, he's stepping up a little bit. He's like, you know, he's, yeah, J.J. Reddick's a leader right now, and I don't know who else is on the team. Drew Holiday's coming back. Josh Hart, and then now, now they're all they're not an all star, an all star level player. Rookie is coming off the bench, and you know he's supposed to make waves because his knee, his knee, right, is supposed to be completely healthy, and so this might be the turnaround they need in their season because they're not like, they're not like that far back. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm, yeah, if I'm not mistaken, they're like, they're not like. Yeah, exactly. So they have a shot. Yeah, exactly. So, like, they're like, you know, they have a shot to get in the playoffs if Zion can come in, play great ball, great chemistry, and it will probably be one of the most watched NBA games of the entire season. Oh, yeah, it'll have, like, NBA playoff final ratings. Yeah. I'm telling you, they're like right on the cusp. The 12th? Okay, that's not on the cusp. Yeah. Yeah, so. So all they need is. Yeah, so all they need is a little spark, and Zion's probably going to bring it to them. Absolutely. Yeah, well, when you lose, they do. I mean, you know, Duncan Duncan retired, and then Ginobili, and then Parker went to Charlotte, and then retired. I know. I'm just saying they've they've gone shift. Yeah, big shift, big shift recently. Yeah, yeah. Your Lakers, your Lakers, your Lakers. The Clippers are two. Okay. Mm. Luca is on fire. He's. On f- I just don't. I'm. I'm. I'm kind of jealous of the fact that this dude is younger than we are. Doesn't he speak like four languages? He speaks like six languages, and he's like you know. He's the best player in the NBA. He's one of the best. He's like top five. What that Kobe was talking Slovenian to him? Who's speaking my language? And when is when is Kobe finding the time to learn all these things? I know. Well, like he he grew up. He's writing children's books. 
Yeah. He's he's freaking he grew up in Italy, he knows Spanish, he knows Slovenian. Yeah, all right. Miami's killing it. Toronto's number three. Mm. So, you know, I guess maybe the next option isn't really Kawhi Leonard to be a good fit, but maybe a championship fit. Yeah. Number four, Boston. Five, Philly. I just, I haven't heard Philly really going to be a number one in the East. Uh, I guess I'm, because this is Philly's division, dude. Philly's tough with Durant. Well, it's not really, because they don't really have a shooting lineup. Then Indiana, number six. Brooklyn. Without with barely without Kyrie and no KD. Without Kyrie, they have a better record. With with Kyrie, they have a worse record against him. Then the Talkers, Kyrie, a good fit for as a leader anyway. There's the Talkers, the talks are out again, but really next year's what matters. Yeah. Can Kyrie and KD play together with the team? All right. That's going to do it for here on here on the Double J's podcast. I'm Jackson Seymour with Jacob Eduardo Garcia. It's been a great first day back. we got a big semester ahead, and uh, it's going to be a fun one because it's our last one. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Okay, bye.